Yes and is a mantra that can be applied to every aspect of your life. These two words are ground zero for all creativity. These two words will help you shut down fear. These two words can change your life if you'll let them. Yes, I'm serious. And this podcast is on a mission to show you how. I'm Judy Holler, the host of Yes And. If Dr. Dre and Amy Poehler had a baby, um, that would basically be me. Listen, if you're looking for a no BS approach to life, business, and your mental health, then you are in the right place. So welcome to Yes And, where we smash comfort zones and navigate the unscripted stage of everyday life together. This is a Soul Fire production. You're listening to episode 63. Welcome back or welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here today. And today we're going to get to some of your questions. I get so many awesome cues from you in my Ask Me Anything posts on Instagram and from the posts we put up in our private groups. And each month, every time I do this, I compile all of my favorites and the most popular. And I answer them right here on the podcast, because if one of you has this question, I bet others of you have it too. So today, here's a sneak peek on what I'm going to be answering. Number one, How do I prepare my speeches? And bonus, how do I prepare for my speeches? Uh, Not just prepare the content, but prepare myself to deliver on stage. We'll talk about that. What is the most cringe-worthy moment I had on stage and how did I get through it? What's the best way to deal with imposter syndrome? Anybody else dealing with imposter syndrome? Yeah, me too. We're going to talk about it. How to get out of a rut and what my favorite tools in my toolbox are from social media to daily business hacks and so much more. So if any of those questions sound awesome to you, this episode is for you. But first, and speaking of you, this podcast would not be possible without you and specifically your reviews on iTunes. So if you've left a review on the iTunes, thank you so fucking much. Uh, If you haven't, would you? <laughs> if you have found any value in these episodes, could you hit that subscribe button and take 30 seconds to leave me a quick review? I'm also going to reward you for this behavior. If you are an iTunes listener and you've left a review, you could be our next listener of the week. I'm going to pick a random review uh, every week and I'm going to read it on the air. And I am going to send each reviewer of the week, a special surprise. So you're going to get something from me that I think you're going to love. So uh, we might as well get right into our listener of the week, who this week is Love This Author, who writes, I just listened to your podcast with Brian Fanzo. It shook me to my core. I was diagnosed at a young age with ADHD and put on medication, which continued for my school days. I took myself off of it because I thought it was normal. Mental health isn't something that was ever talked about in my family. So seeking out help in my adulthood was put on the back burner. I suffer daily. Goals, procrastination, taking action, finishing projects, all the things. And not until the podcast did it all click as the reason why. 
I am going to explore it again. And I thank you so much for this podcast episode, this podcast in general, and for a higher power telling me to press play. You may have just been responsible for my breakthrough. I mean, damn, this is why, this is why I started a podcast and why I show up despite my nerves and my own insecurity and self-doubt and imposter syndrome, because it's notes like these and stories like these and testimonials like these that remind me that we're all listening and that we're all a part of something bigger and that we all just need a little help along the way. And I, I, I don't believe that anything's a coincidence. And I believe that you love this author. We're meant to be here, meant to listen to that episode. And I'm so glad you did. And I thank you sincerely for this review. So to claim your prize, my dear, send me a DM and I will get back to you with how to claim your prize. Or you can email me at hello at judyholler.com. So DM me on Instagram. Let me know you're my fear boss of the week, my listener of the week, or email me at hello at judyholler.com and we're going to make it happen. And if you want to be our next listener of the week, all you got to do is leave a quick review. It would mean the world to me and it's that easy. Okay. So let's jump into your questions this week. And I'd love to start with one of the most popular speaking, uh, specifically how I prepare my speeches and what my most cringeworthy moment on stage was and how I got through it. Oh, so good. Great questions. Okay. So let's start with how I prepare. And I sort of see this as a two prong question. Uh, I'm not hundred percent sure if the asker of the question wants to know how I actually write and develop a talk, or if you want to know how I prepare to deliver a talk live on stage, virtually or in person. So I'm going to answer both ways. Number one, how I actually write and develop a talk. Well, it all starts with an idea. Uh, which is wrapped around a problem I want to solve. So ideas are really formed in two main ways for me, in my mind. Number one, through the inputs I receive, uh, books I'm reading, podcasts I'm listening to, classes and coaches and things I'm loving and learning. This really ramps up ideas for me. And really, I always say like, you're an idea DJ. Your job is to remix your inputs so you get cool creative outputs, right? You've heard me say this. So that's that's the first way I get a lot of my ideas. And then number two, through uh, an improv mindset fundamental, which is through a lot of listening, right? To really being present and to watching and reading and being linked to the questions that come up from you and the problems I feel like I can help solve and the transformations that my expertise can possibly and potentially provide. So for example, my work on courage and mental health, uh, is unique because it has an improv theater twist. That's my background. So I use my background in improv comedy and the life-changing use of the improv mindset to help you vibe and thrive, right? So if improv is my twist, and if I see you are struggling with self-confidence, I'll use tools in my improv mindset toolbox to help you with that and then build content around that accordingly. So I'm always looking, I'm always listening, I'm always watching, and I sort of have my head on a swivel. I mean, as a storyteller, as a content creator, your job is to 
think in metaphors. You know, how can I take this thing that's happening to me and help my audience with it and use it as a teaching moment or potentially an idea for a book or a piece of content that I want to create? So you want to identify your unique position on your topic. What do you do? How do you do it different? What is your unique perspective? And how can what you know help me think different about a common problem? Then you build a talk that focuses on the transformation that will happen after someone's been a beneficiary of your awesome idea. So for me, fear was my entry point. A lot of people talk about fear and courage. But nobody's talking about making fear their homeboy. I am. And of course, the badass community like you that's out there making fear their homeboy every single day. But you get where I'm going here, okay? Lots of people talk about improv, theater, but not as it relates to mental health, right? So that sort of became my unique position because the improv mindset helps me manage my health my mental health, right? And my overall health, health, and most certainly my, my, my daily habits, right? So I use the improv comedy mindset to help you vibe and thrive. So a fill in the blank framework for you, as you think about developing a talk or creating some content could be, I use blank to help you blank so you can blank, right? I use, what do you do? What do you do that's unique to help you What's the problem you solve so you can then insert that transformation that'll happen after we've experienced or received your work. Now, once you have an idea for a talk, like how to set goals, or maybe your talk is about how to reduce anxiety or how to start a coaching business or how to balance a budget, I mean, whatever your topic is, know your number one goal. You know, what's in it for the listener, the participant? the reader, the watcher, how will they change? What will their new way of thinking be after they've received or listened to your content, right? What's the intention of the talk? What's that call to action? What's that air quotes new normal? And what's the change that will happen after they've heard your idea? So a question I love to answer before I even Right, the talk is this. What will the audience be able to do different, different after they've heard this talk? Then you build around that idea to make sure it happens. Next, you want to start thinking through the heartbeats of your talk. And I use heartbeats on purpose because in any given audience, Half of your participants learn with their hearts and the other half learn with their heads. So your content should sort of dance between the two. And on paper, your talk would look like a heartbeat. There are high energy moments in a talk that get the heart beating through comedy and story and laughter and engagement. And then there are valley moments, right? Where they're not low vibe or anything, but they're data points and research and facts and frameworks to really challenge our mind and get us thinking. So I'm always thinking about the heartbeat 
as I develop my talks, am I playing to both the heart and the head enough? And my best talks really bob and weave like a heartbeat with a mix of badass stories, laughs, science, data, and of course, good old juicy improv interaction. Then, and equally as important, I become obsessed with the audience, the reader, the listener, the participant, not myself. I'm always focused on what's in it for them. I'm always thinking about the participant in the audience that's going, hmm, easy for her to say. What's in this for me, right? Because you know that's going to be happening. So am I considering the audience member who is thinking easy for her to say? You know, am I presenting this idea clear enough in a new way, in a unique way while still being myself? So a couple of resources here. Number one, my friend, Vanessa Van Edwards, I'll link up to her in the show notes. She does an awesome course on the power of public speaking. And she's so good and so cool. And I will link up to her because she is incredible. And when that course opens back up, you should certainly check it out. And then I love the amazing Tamsin Webster. I'll also link up to her in the show notes. She does a lot of work on finding your red thread, which is really important as we think about the TED Talk style of talk uh, that is short and sweet and really juicy. So I'll link up to both of them in the show notes. Both of them are kick-ass resources. And then finally, I start organizing the talks framework. I use my whiteboard. Um, I put up all my stories and research and data points, and then I kind of arrange it all, right? Sometimes I use colorful post-it notes and I put my research in red and my uh, funny stories in green and in pink are my quotes that I want to use. And maybe in orange is a homework assignment. And in blue is another piece of research, science, or data. So I kind of organize it all visually. And then I sort of arrange it. So I begin with an opening story. Then I go into, okay, what's the goal or the problem? And I kind of validate that with an example. I'll identify roadblocks, objections, or barriers, right? This is the easy for her to say kind of stuff that we want to be able to combat. Then I'll share a truth. I know that can help them make a change. So here are three tips and here's a new idea or five steps to this. You know, how can I help you handle that objection or roadblock in a new way with the truth that I know? And then I share what that change will look like, you know, and, and typically present a call to action. You know, what is our new normal and what does the world look like with this idea in play? And then I end with the closing story that loosely ties back to the opening story. Um, and then last but not least, after I've done that, right, um, and this is a lot of work. It is not easy to deliver quality content. If it was, everybody would do it. But if you want to do it, it's possible and it takes practice. So we'll talk about that in just a a minute. But after all that is done, I design and build out my slide deck, uh, making it really big, powerful visuals. I make it playful. I make it fun. And it, usually my deck has little to no words. You know, I usually put in visuals that move, videos that inspire and graphics that sort of excite, right? So slides can be really powerful if used the right way to amplify your core stories, your signature story, and your message, not when you use them as a crutch for your nerves. There's a big difference. Okay, and then the second part of this question, how I prepare for a live talk or a virtual talk done live. Number one, I rehearse the living shit out of it. And how much you rehearse shows how much you respect 
your audience. Plus, it's going to calm your nerves and reduce anxiety because you're ready. Um, it's the sucky hard work that no one wants to do. I go down in my basement into a really quiet place. And usually I'm rehearsing to a wall or my dog. My dog has heard my keynote. Both of my dogs now have heard my keynotes. I can't even tell you how many times, but before I deliver a new talk, I've done at minimum 40 hours of rehearsals. And before I give any talk, that I've even had out for a while, like my signature homeboy talk, my signature talk on fear. I will always refresh and customize content. So, and I use improv. So every talk's a little different, but I will run it full out at least three times before I deliver it to any audience. Given it a hundred times, I am still gonna run it with a clicker standing up full out. Okay, then the morning of the talk, um, like say I'm about to give a live talk virtually or in person, I move my body, move my body. Because when you move your body, you change your mind. And so I, I do some sort of cardiovascular workout always. I eat well. So I make sure I get some food in my system, some green juice and not just coffee, some green juice, maybe a couple of eggs, some fruit. Like I get the party started, some avocado. I get something in my belly, right? Uh, I meditate, right? So I will uh, sit and breathe. For, for two to five minutes, nothing crazy, no doves flying, no Zen Buddhist monks. I mean, just me taking deep breaths, uh, telling myself I love myself, okay? And then I also uh, leave love notes on my mirror. So I travel with hot pink post-it notes, go figure and Sharpies, duh. And the night before, like when I check into my hotel room, I put post-it notes all over my bathroom mirror and in the full-length mirror. Uh, things that say, you're gonna get a standing ovation. You're worthy of the stage. You're gonna crush it. You're gonna make an impact today. You're uh, beautiful. You're smart. Uh, you know this shit, right? So I'm saying things on the mirror to myself to hype myself up. And my favorite part is I always leave the, the love notes up for the housekeeper. So when I check out of the hotel, I leave them in there to sort of, with a tip, to sort of pass on the love. And usually by the morning of the talk, and this is big, I have tech checked with the AV team in the ballroom, either the day prior when I arrive or at least 60 minutes before the talk. So there are no surprises. Now, an hour before my talk, uh, I try not to be on email at all before I give a live talk because I have had a bad email completely jack me up on stage. I opened my email, read it. It was not good. And it jacked up my entire energy and it was fine. Um, but it, it was bad. So, um, I will never do that again. So I, I don't look at email, right. But they're definitely the hour before I give a talk, but I try not to look at email until, uh, it's time for the talk. But if you have a talk at eight at night, you're going to have to get into email. So try not to look at your email at least 60 minutes before your talk. So you can sort of check yourself if something weird happens. Um, I'm not looking at my DMS or my comments on social media. I try to watch something funny to make me laugh. So I don't just sit there and run through the talk in my head and I vibe check, right before a talk with music, usually Unstoppable by Sia is like my anthem. And then right before I go on stage, I'm standing backstage about to walk up the stairs. Uh, there are two things I do. Number one, I power pose. Uh, so for the first, for the two minutes, right before I go on stage, I'm standing backstage and I'm in a Amy Cuddy power pose. If you don't know what power posing is, I'll link to the video, uh, the very famous video on YouTube in the show notes, but I stand in a, a power pose. I close my eyes and I just, I'm sort of breathing and I um, tell myself on repeat that I love myself. I love myself, right? Because when you love yourself, you become a one 
human revolution. No matter what happens up there or out there, I will always be okay. I am loved. I am worthy. I am loved. I am worthy. And then I continually say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, thank you, universe, for the gift of doing what I was born to do, what I was put on this planet to do. Thank you for the gift of this work. Like, fucking thank you. And it changes everything for me, right? So that's what I do right before I walk up the stairs. Once I'm on stage, uh, I usually have my laptop on stage with me. If it's not, I have a downstage monitor that sort of has my uh, laptop mirrored in presenter view so I can see my notes version. I, I, I always like to know what's coming next because every deck is a little different and I do live improv and, and all my improv is always different. And so it just helps me stay on track with the games and where I'm going next. Um, I always bring a print out of my notes. So I'll print the deck with the notes and I keep it in the lectern. So if tech, when tech goes down and you lose your slides, specifically if it's a newer talk, you can always reference your notes. You just casually go over to the lectern and say, okay, we lost power. Let me get myself back on track. And you can still deliver quality content. Uh, this is also why I like to keep my laptop on stage or near the stage uh, so that if tech goes down, when tech goes down, I can always pull up my laptop and click through the slides to stay on track myself. Um, I've also found that having someone introduce you is uh, with the right energy is a great way to bring up the energy. There's nothing weirder than introducing yourself. Uh, having awesome high vibe walk-on music, a DJ in the room is even better. And then of course, making sure the front of the room is filled. I mean, every time I do these events, people just like, not every time, because I mean, I work with some pretty high vibe audiences and I feel so lucky. I have some of the best clients, uh, but people are so funny. They don't like to sit in the front row. So number one, if you're listening to this, go sit in the front row. The speaker will love you for that. There is nothing worse than projecting uh, to an audience when half of the room up front is unfilled. So I work with my clients in advance to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, and we incentivize people for sitting in the front and I never pull people on stage. People have to come up themselves. So don't ever be afraid of my talks, uh, but sit in the front. But I always make sure that the front of the room is filled because it really helps me with my energy. Uh, and then last, you know, dude, have fun. Remember the audience is rooting for you. And if you're nervous, they're going to feel nervous. If you're confident, they're going to feel confident. So relax and be yourself and know that everyone hates public speaking. Okay. You're up there doing what 99.9% .9 of people in the world loathe doing. So take a deep breath and know that you cannot lose. Okay. So a quick pause in our regularly scheduled content here to share something big with you. So I'm always on the hunt for companies and brands who align with the intention of this show and you, the listener, because every time I record an episode for you, it costs a lot of money to get each episode into your ear every week. And in order to help with that, we're on the hunt for the right companies that I align with and that I feel you'll align with too to help support our mission. And it's with great excitement and alignment to say that Organifi oh, is one of those companies. Now you can go to Organifi and that's spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash yes and to get 15% off and support this podcast every time you purchase one of their badass products. Now, my current obsessions are, I've got two of them, the green juice. 
yo, it's fucking delish. And I'm serious. I was using another product. And when they sent me their greens, I knew it was destiny. They even have these like travel packs. So when I get back on the road uh, more frequently, it'll definitely be a game changer. Yo, it's so good. You just mix it with cold water and you're off to the races and it's got 11 superfoods in it. It is so legit. And number two, their immunity packets are to die for and they're the perfect way to stay healthy on the go. So when you support this company, you're not only supporting yourself and your health, this company is the bee's knees, you're also supporting the podcast. So it's a win-win. So make sure you use our special link, Organifi, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash yes and to get 15% off anytime you shop. Thank you. And thank you, Organifi, for supporting this podcast. Okay, the next question. That was meaty. That was meaty. But let's go on to the next one. What was my most cringeworthy moment on stage and how did I get through it? Uh, yes, I wrote about this actually in Fear is My Homeboy. Uh, I was in Galveston, Texas. The event will remain nameless. Uh, I was giving a live keynote for a thousand hospitality professionals. I did all the right things. I indicated my tech needs in our contract. I set up a tech check, went on site to run through the setup. I arrived early the day of to do it again. We ran through things again with the tech, but I just had this feeling about the quality of the audiovisual crew and the gut feeling was solidified when the AV tech running my deck and the switcher literally fell asleep during the keynote speaker before me. Now, in full transparency, she was a bit of a bore, but yo, this is his job. So I'm sitting there watching this happen and I kind of feel sick. And I'm like, oh God, I knew something bad was gonna happen. I could feel it. And there was no transition from the speaker before me to me. So it was just like, speaker goes, someone comes up to introduce me. And then I go right up. So this dude needed to be awake at the switches, not asleep. So I had to like jump in and jump up there and trust that the dude sleeping was going to make it happen. Well, lo and behold, it's my turn. Um, I go up on stage and you guessed it. No slides, no slides, no tech. Um, nothing was down below on the, the prompters, the screen showing like what the slides were, nothing. Like to even be able to visually read my slides that had some data on them, uh, nothing. I mean, it was dark. Uh, I saw it happening and I sort of uh, just jumped into my opening story because I know it. I know how I opened the talk. I've rehearsed this, remember? I'm ready. Uh, and I knew I could buy some time. Let me just get the party started. He'll get it up. He's clicking some buttons. There we go. Meanwhile, I'm telling this story and time was like slowing down. I started sweating horribly. I felt like I was going to pass out. I was literally running blind. I had never done my talk, this talk, without slides before. I mean, I know my talk and while I rehearse like a beast, every talk I give is fucking different because I customize and there's videos and there's improv. So the games change up and without a view of what's coming next, my ADHD kicks in and I can lose focus really quick. Well, guess what? No slides. They never came back up. And I was fucking furious because I wasn't dealing with like a random power outage or an uncontrollable issue. And OPS, I have had that happen in the Bahamas when 
all power went down mid keynote. So this shit's going to happen, you guys, right? I mean, I was dealing at this time with an incompetent audio visual tech, right? So about three minutes, uh, I'm into my story uh, and I'm about to close that opening story and I see the tech is my slides are gone. Like nothing's coming up. Um, I wasn't going to get my tech. I was not going to get my deck. And it was me and a, and a thousand people staring back at me. And I was paid to do this. I was paid to be here. The show had to go on. It was time to put my improv mindset to work and boss up. So I did. I looked up at all thousand people and I told a new story about unexpected changes, about plot twists, about things not going your way. I was literally walking the talk and showing how uncomfortable shit can happen at any time, but you have to keep going. And P.S., this was years before COVID and the pandemic and the massive plot twist that we've all been living through. I mean, the improv mindset saved me that day and it still saves me today. And every single day, you're never pivoting, you're improvising. So again, this is why I now keep a printout of my deck, a post-it note with my like three to five main points so I can stay on track. If anything happens, I keep a laptop nearby if I do need to access my slides, right? And that's what I did for this talk. I had my laptop on stage with me. So I just put it on the floor in front of me and I used my own personal clicker and I just advanced the slides that no one can see for myself so I could keep myself on track. And no one was the wiser except for the fact that they were, of course, awake and aware to the fact that I had lost all tech. And I think that made them root for me even more. But what I found out is that the audience didn't even really need the slides. I found out that I didn't even really need the slides. I also found out that I am worth every penny that I get paid because I bossed up and showed up and still delivered value. But I realized the audience just really needs stories and the lessons and the gifts of the improv mindset. So remember, you're going to win or you're going to learn, but you will never lose. And that day I learned that I could give a kick-ass presentation without slides. And then I should always be prepared to do so in case that shit ever happens again. Remember, no mistakes, only gifts. Okay, so three more questions. Okay, here's question number three. What is the best way to deal with imposter syndrome? Okay, so I'm going to come to my book, Fear is My Homeboy, page 15 in chapter one, Love Yourself. Here is the definition of imposter syndrome by Harvard Business Review. Imposter syndrome can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. Imposters, air quotes, suffer from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that override, that override any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. Okay, so basically, non-Harvard speak, what this shit means is that you could be a boss kicking ass and taking names, and you have proof of said bossness, but you still doubt yourself. You still feel not worthy, not ready, not good enough. Uh, it, wherever you are, on your run, on your walk, I want you to raise your right hand with me if you too feel like an imposter. Most days, me too. So here is how I, uh, two ways I reframe it. Number one, when imposter syndrome arrives, I do reframe it. Instead of being like, oh shit, this again, imposter syndrome again. Oh, fears arrived, imposter syndromes arrived, self doubt has arrived. I flip the script 
And I instead start reminding myself that I have arrived. Imposter syndrome hasn't arrived. I have arrived. Because see, when imposter syndrome and jealousy and comparison show up in your life, it means you want more for yourself. It means you see something in someone else that you want a little bit for yourself. It means you're about to do something uncomfortable, which will earn you a more comfortable life, by the way. So this mindset shift is empowering. Imposter syndrome hasn't arrived, honey. You have arrived. And then number two, you know, review tape. Review tape. So I just posted on my Instagram story and I'll link up to it in the show notes. It's a, it's a new commercial out by Under Armour featuring uh, a W, I believe she's a WNBA player, um, a badass chick who is like at the top of her game from a basketball perspective. And she is talking about imposter syndrome. She goes, I have made every elite team, a first draft picked Olympics, top of my game incredible records, but she's fighting an invisible battle. And it's the battle she fights against herself and not feeling good enough or worthy enough. And so the way she reframes it is she reviews tape and she sits and looks at tape of herself fucking destroying it. Her playing at a high level, her making incredible shots, her doing incredible things on the court that not a lot of people can do. She's reviewing the highlight reels, not beating herself up for everything that went wrong. And you can do this too. Start reviewing tape. So this could look like you. I talk about this in Homeboy, my book, this notion of like, I keep a snaps folder, right? Like snaps, like or guy, whoever's listening, right? Like, you know, it's like hand claps, like, yay you. I keep a snaps folder, right? And it is all these really cool positive emails or testimonials that we've gotten from you in the community. I save on my phone and archive uh, awesome tags and inspirational stories and why people love my talk and my work and my podcast. And I do all of this so I can review that tape before I do something terrifying. And you can do the same. Trust me, it works. Okay, question number four. How do I get out of a rut? Okay, so if you are in a rut, the number one way to get out of said rut is, you guessed it, get your ass uncomfortable. You got to mix it up. You got to try something new. Most of the time, the reason we get bored or stuck or feel underwhelmed in our life, it's because we're continually doing the same things we've always done because this is the way we've always done them. The only way out of that shit is through discomfort. So my answer to this question begins with a question for you. When was the last time you did something for the first time? If you can't remember the last time you did something for the first time, then it's time to do something for the first time. It's time to change that. So can you take a class? Can you sign up for a course? Can you join a new club? Can you travel somewhere new? Can you go on a solo trip? Can you book a staycation? Can you hire a coach? Work with a new mentor? Make a phone call you've been nervous to make. Ask for help. Volunteer for something in your community. I mean, this is how you get out of a rut. You shake it up. You rattle the cage. You put new people, opportunities, and experiences into your life so you have new experiences, people, and opportunities in your life to get excited about. Yo, bravery is a verb. 
You've got to move. And the only way out of a rut is to mix it up, to make a change, to purposely get uncomfortable so you have a new story to tell. I mean, I just legit did this. I always put in my Thrive Goals uh, an annual solo trip. If you don't know what a Thrive Goal is, go check the show notes. I have a planner. It's called the Vibe and Thrive Planner, and it's a certified vibe. Uh, and it blends mental health with high-performance habits. And every year I write into that planner that one of my Thrive Goals is to do a, a trip by myself, with myself, for myself. And I just did that. I went to Palm Springs and on top of it, I hired a new business strategy coach and uh, the work with him and the time with him and the time with myself in the desert really cracked myself wide open and my business too. Before that trip, I sort of felt like I was in a rut too. I, I was feeling lost and frankly, kind of uninspired and totally chaotic, like all over the place in my brain. But I came back from my time in the desert and that time with myself and that time with my coach, I came back re-engaged, re-inspired and activated in a way I hadn't felt in years. But it required me to mix it up and to invest in myself and my business and do the uncomfortable work required in order to earn the comfort that I so desire. Okay, last question. What are my favorite tools in my toolbox? Okay, I'm going to run through these and you can link up in the show notes. Uh, we'll link up to everything and you can click the links to learn more about the products. Um, I don't work for any of these companies. I don't get paid to say any of this. This is just me going through my iPhone and my day-to-day -day and literally telling you the things I'm obsessed with. Okay, so day-to-day -day at work, of course, my Vibe and Thrive Planner. This is an ad, uh, not really, but of course I'm going to promote the Vibe and Thrive Planner, which is my obsession and a new tool we just put out into the world in December. So my planner, oh my God, use it every day. Couldn't live without it. So my Vibe and Thrive Goal Focus Planner, uh, Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O. We project manage in our business and organize all of our things in Trello. Canva for graphic design. I have a professional graphic designer for my more robust products, but, but for the things that I'm designing day-to-day -day in social meds, I use Canva to make that happen. Ecamm, E-C-A-M-M, -M, is this really badass presenter software that I use, and it works seamlessly with Zoom. So when I'm delivering keynotes, I can have DJ air horns and applause and picture and picture my slides and bring slides in and bring them out and roll my own video. It's basically like I'm my own audio visual tech running my own switcher. Uh, there are a few platforms that it doesn't work with, but I've only come up against one, and I think it's Microsoft Teams. Other than that, it's awesome and I love it and it makes my presentation seamless. Grammarly, oh, I pay for the annual uh, subscription because it uh, spell checks everything and I am a horrible speller. Uh, it is not my strength. I have a lot of strengths and that's not one of them. So Grammarly certainly helps for my day-to-day -day emails and stuff. Uh, bomb, 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 bomb. You're the bomb, bomb, B-O-M-B. B-O-M-B. It's a cool video email service. So if I want to like say hi to a client or follow up on a lead or surprise someone, I can do that via video, which is super fun. 
Loom, L-O-O-M, is a video service I use uh, to send video emails explaining things. So I use this with like my creative partners a lot, like my video people, uh, my uh, Brian, our graphic designer. So if we're going back and forth on say the planner or a page in the planner, I will record, um, I can record my screen and then little put a little picture of me in the corner or I can hide my face and just record my voice as I'm explaining to him what I want done on that specific page. So he is listening to me show him what I need him to do, right? Instead of 25 emails back and forth and uh, instead of another scheduled call because we all have 80 million calls. So I love Loom and use it all the time. And then last but not least, day-to-day, I mean, um, day-to-day work-wise, Evernote. You know, I, I keep a lot of my intellectual property there. I'm always, I, I write out my podcast episodes there, a lot of my content, prepare for interviews there. Uh, so I love Evernote. Okay, so from an apps perspective, a couple of apps apps I love. Okay, obsessed with the Notes app. I'm an iPhone user, so I use the Notes app for everything. I have it organized, so I have all my quick links for my business loaded up. I have collect quotes and I keep track of stories. I uh, write down, I have a whole folder that I'm collecting content for my book number two. We're in the in the process of, of writing and preparing for book number two. I know, super exciting. Um, I map out all my uh, social media content there. And what I love is that it cross-pollinates between all my computers so I can access it on any one of my computers. And it just, when, it, when something is happening, my phone is always by me. So I boom, dump the idea right into my notes app and it archives all my content. There are two cool apps I use for creating fun stuff and visuals on Instagram. These are new for me and I am obsessed with them. They can put like cool neon lines around you and just give your videos a fun vibe. One is called Pixel Cut and the other one is called Vochi, V-O-C-H-I. Of course, we'll link up in the show notes. I also use Go Record to record screen grabs of content from time to time. And I love that app. And I also use Video Shop to edit videos on my phone. It's a beautiful editing system. So when I'm making sales videos or content-related videos, say for LinkedIn or Facebook that are a little bit longer in length, and sometimes even for IGTV, uh, Video Shop makes it seamless. You can lay down music and put in fun emojis and GIFs and graphics and um, title headers and smooth transitions and fade-ins and fade-outs. It's so easy to use. I also love and live for my teleprompter app. It's literally called the teleprompter app uh, for recording content. So it's how I can read scripts seamlessly (laughs) without looking like I'm looking at a script. And then I use Preview, P-R-E-V-I-E-U, Preview, uh, to lay out all of my Instagram content so I can see how it's going to look visually. Okay, Fear Boss, a lot going on in this episode, and I really hope you got something new and you learned something new, and I, I really hope you you love it. Um, I can't wait to hear from you. I can't wait to read your comments and get your DMs, so let me know what you think. I love hearing from you, and if you want your question answered on next month's Ask Judy Q&A show, we've got a new service, and I'm going to roll it out in our next episode, uh, That you know, our next Q&A episode that we do in April, but you can record your message to me. I'm going to link up in the show notes, and you can click record, and you can, if you mess it up or want to listen to it and redo it, you can, but you can record your questions, so I'll play some of these on the air. So share your stories. We want to hear from you. I want to hear your questions. It'd be great to bring you on the air with me. So uh, make sure you use that link to record your questions for me. We're already starting to collect questions right now for the April Ask Judy episode. And you can always DM me on Instagram or send me an email at hello at judyholler.com with your show ideas, feedback, and insights.
inspiration. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for reviewing this podcast. Uh, Until next week, you know what to do. Keep saying yes and stay brave.